now a time in our service where we approach God's word, to hear God's word and what God might have to say for us this morning. But before we listen to God's word, let's first pause and let our hearts um, and souls pray that, pray that God might open us up to hear that word for, with a prayer of illumination. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time here and now to be with you in this space, a place which is called your house. And I pray that your Holy Spirit and your presence would fill this place and every heart in here. And that the ways of your Son, your good and gracious Son, might move within us so that we might know your love and your goodwill and your work in our lives. Come, Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. morning's reading is from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 9 and 30 through 32. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. Such a very large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat on the sea and sat there, while the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. He began to teach them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell upon the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And he said, Let anyone with ears to hear listen. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs. It puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from Luke 19. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was short in stature. 
So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, for he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. So over the past couple weeks here at Linwood, we've been going through a season learning about stewardship and about generosity and what it means to uh, live out of a posture of generosity. We've learned of our God, the creator who not only created the world, but filled the world with so many good things and spared absolutely no expense in providing us with a gift, a couple gifts of his son and the Holy Spirit, which we receive because of the free will offering of God, gifts of grace and goodness and guidance. This has been a wonderful season to learn about how to, how to live out a posture of generosity in life. And as this is the last week, I wanted to close our season of stewardship and thinking about generosity uh, by talking about donuts, right? Yeah, donuts, you heard me. In the story I'm going to tell you about donuts, there are four things. The story has, first, a generous giver and receiver. Secondly, a receiver who becomes a generous giver. Third, an unexpected multiplication. And fourth, a harvest of joy. Don't worry if you can't remember all those. I'll say them as I go through the story. Our story begins with a woman named Eileen, Eileen Taylor. One morning, let's say it was Tuesday, Eileen pulled up to the drive-thru at Heavenly Donuts in Amesbury, Massachusetts. She had something on her mind, but it wasn't about a donut or coffee. You see, just a day earlier on Monday, a stranger ahead of her in line became a generous giver by paying for Eileen's coffee. Eileen was going through a tough time. She'd recently lost her job. Money was tight. It was kind of one of those dark seasons. You might know what I mean. And that one small, gracious act of kindness made such a difference in her day. Such a difference that Eileen showed up the next day on Tuesday, on Tuesday morning. And this time, the receiver, 
became the giver. Even though money was tight, she still decided to pick up that $12 tab for the family in the minivan behind her. But what she didn't realize is that her gracious act of kindness would cause a chain reaction. Now, the donut shop employees were used to seeing people pay for stuff for the person behind her. That wasn't unusual. However, this was a chain that went unbroken until the line at the drive-thru was empty after the morning rush. Car after car pulled up to pay for the person in back of them. With an inexplicable multitude of kindness. And as the streak reached 15 and kept going, the people inside, the staff and the managers were aflutter and amazed by a harvest. And it was, there was this harvest of joy. When Eileen came back later that day to pick up coffee, the people clamored to tell her, look, your one act of kindness lasted two and a half hours and reached 55 cars. Can you imagine? That's like as if we all went to Dunkin' Donuts right now <laughs> and just paid for each other as we were going through the line. So many hearts moved with an act of generosity because of one act of kindness. And there's a couple things that catch my mind in this story. The generous giver who becomes the receiver, the receiver who becomes the generous giver, an unexpected, unexpected multiplication of, and a harvest of joy. First about the giver and the receiver. The story starts with this detail that I barely even caught when I first read this story of a stranger who never met Eileen. Some incredible stranger put, stranger put down a generous down payment for Eileen on that day. She didn't know Eileen, and Eileen couldn't pay her back, or him back, whoever it was. She didn't, or he didn't, know Eileen and what Eileen needed, but yet that stranger did it. There's many times in which Jesus says, God is like, and he tells a story. God is like our stranger in this story about donuts. God is like the stranger who provides some incredible, generous down payment for us, who provides a gift without strings and an expectation of being paid back. But God just gives a gift to be freely accepted. The one difference is that God does know what we need and sees our need. The generosity of God is, is like the expression of, of Jesus when he encounters Zacchaeus in our story for today. Zacchaeus is a man, and there's three things that are listed about him. He's a tax collector, he's wealthy, and he's short. Tax collectors were viewed as traitors and corrupt in this time. Why? Well, because they worked for the Roman government, collecting taxes and dues from the Jewish people to be sent along. In our story, we catch up with Jesus and Zacchaeus in the town of, of um, Jericho, which was known for its incredibly profitable production of balsam, which is the sap that comes from the balsam tree. 
and from which we get balsamic vinegar. So Zacchaeus has this incredible position in that place. He's a financial manager, and he has status and wealth. He's somewhat of a, a, a big person in town. But it came at a cost. While he was Jewish, a son of Abraham, he would have been viewed as public enemy by his people. And he didn't help his cause. He often cheated people out of money. And such things would have meant he didn't have many friends, if at all, and probably burned relationships and family. He was a lonely man, a lost man, not knowing how to perhaps get out of that current state of life. But one day Jesus is walking through that town, and Zacchaeus has heard about Jesus and the wonderful things that Jesus has done, and the ways that Jesus sits with people who have found their way down a path from which they cannot traverse it back. And so, he runs up this tree to get a glimpse of Jesus. And as the crowd encases Jesus, Jesus looks up and sees Zacchaeus. Jesus is acutely aware of this lonely man who is once again separated from his people. Zacchaeus, Jesus says, come down here, come, come, come here. I must stay with you. I must stay with you. Zacchaeus is a wealthy man and has much in the way of material and immaterial goods, money and wealth and status and influence, but Jesus sees his poverty and what he's lacking and what will truly make Zacchaeus happy and experience life in the richest sense. Zacchaeus is longing to be connected and to receive guests. And so Jesus provides for that poverty Jesus provides company and companionship, community and compassion. And at the very end of the story, he says, you are a son of Abraham, drawing him back into connection with these people, even if they're grumbling. Jesus does this not because Zacchaeus asked for it, but because Zacchaeus just needed it. Needed to escape the confines of that loneliness where the walls were closing in. Jesus gives this life and this fresh start, as Pastor Stacy was mentioning earlier, in our assurance of pardon. It's this incredible provision for what Zacchaeus needs. And yet, well, not yet, let me say this. God shows up and sees Zacchaeus and provides for that need. And I wish to commend to you this knowledge as well, that God shows up and sees you and sees your need and provides as well, provides generously and will do so. Yet this generosity of God is not just about you or me, but it's much more extravagant and wide. It's to all people. And I believe this is why Jesus tells that story of the sower, to communicate just how generous God is in showing, showing and showering us with these lavish gifts of kindness and generosity. There's a man who goes out to sow. And some uh, discussion about this passage in this parable that Trevor read. I think the sower is actually quite reckless. And if this sower is a farmer, not a very good one. Not a very good one at all. 
throwing seeds upon dry ground, upon rocky soil, on earth that's filled with briars? Of course, the good soil, too. But man, oh man, if this person were a farmer looking to get the most for the good money spent on seed, that's not how to do it, right? But I'm so glad that Jesus doesn't say, God's a sower that only sows on good soil. I'm glad that God is like a sower who sows on all the soil. A picture of God who sows generously kindness and compassion upon the good and the bad, the right and the wrong, upon the insider and the outsider, the ready and the ill-prepared. God gives to you and to me, but yet to all people. Because God wants each of us, not just us who are sitting in the room, but people who stretch across the face of this earth to experience richness and abundance and good things in life. God is this giver who gives to us generously so we can experience richness in life. And yet... God gives to us so that we might be transformed from the receiver to the giver. Like our story of Eileen, who received and then became a giver on that Tuesday morning, we're invited to make that kind of transformation in our own hearts, in our own lives as well. Invited to become generous in like manner to God. Return again with me to the story of Zacchaeus. After meeting with Jesus, there's an incredible transformation that happens. His heart's open and he's moved with generosity to give, to give away money to those who don't have it and to repay those who he had wronged fourfold of what he had stole originally. Generosity and generous living, not aimed at just paying God back for something or feeling indebted, but aimed at paying kindness forward to the people around him. And I think this is the point of interest for us to, to just sit with for a moment. We're not indebted to, to God to make us feel like, oh, we gotta pay God back for what God did. No, God's given us a free gift. And this gift that we receive, we, give, we receive to then pay it forward. And perhaps it's about taking time to notice these things in our lives to wrestle with them and allow those things to work in our hearts. And I imagine that act of kindness did so in Eileen's heart that day and was the reason why she came that Tuesday morning. I pray that in the same way that we take time on a, on a third Thursday of November to celebrate Thanksgiving as a space to have a moment where we reflect on all that we're grateful for, that whenever we experience some blessing or some richness or some goodness in life, that we take a moment to savor that. Because I think savoring those things can help transform our hearts and lead us outward to be generous givers. Yet as we enter into this work of, of, of offering kindness in the world, in whatever form that might take, there has to be some mention about, um, about the production of this. 
And this is where I want to talk about the, the wonderful multiplication of kindness that happens in our story. Our story of 55 people sowing kindness to the person in back of them in line. Sometimes it goes like this, and sometimes we can see the measure of our work and the kindness that we do in the world. But the truth is, sometimes it doesn't go like that. Sometimes acts of kindness go unnoticed, or the receiver doesn't choose to pass it on. Sometimes we sowed seeds of kindness on hard ground or briared soil. And it can be really discouraging. And it can be discouraging because an act of kindness is like holding out your heart to somebody. And then whenever we put our heart out there, it can potentially be hurt. But I want to provide a word of hope that, that helps you rather than, that, that can help you navigate any kind of discouragement you might feel. And continue on in a life that is kind of shaped by kindness. And I want to say that whenever we live out of a posture of generosity and and courageous kindness, we do so as an act of faith. It is done in hopefulness that God will, will take it up and do with it some good thing according to the mysterious ways that God will move in this world. Our God, after all, is the God of the loaves and fishes, five loaves and two fish that fed a multitude of 5,000 one day. The one who can take very little and make an abundance come about. And so whenever you sow seeds of kindness in the world, whether it be by actions or words or thoughts or your presence, I hope that we can relieve ourselves from the burden of some preconceived notion of what it's supposed to produce in the world and hold it with hands of faith. May they be like prayers of hopefulness that God can take them and do abundantly more than we can ever expect or imagine, even if we don't necessarily see the end result. Lastly, the one detail of this passage that I noticed that's a beautiful thing is the joy that comes about. The joy of Eileen, who's broken out of this darkness to to a day of, of sunshine because of this generous act, or the people who had their thing, uh, their coffee paid for and then passed that kindness down the line, or even the people who were watching this take place, the staff who were there. So many people were caught up and experienced a harvest of joy because of these things. Yes, we act in kindness for some benefit of us in some way, but we act in kindness especially to bless others, and so others might experience joy. So dark days might turn to sunny ones, so to speak. And more than that, I see the staff as this watchful posture in a, in a similar way that I see perhaps God watching us, hoping that we might sow these seeds of kindness, that God might take them and use them for some wonderful purpose in the world, and that God delights when we do those things. So, in all, remember that God is a sower who will see you and be generous with you, and generous with far more than we could know. God sees you and invites you to be generous as well. And what does that look like for you? What does it look like to sow seeds of kindness? 
Or what does it look like to expand how we sow kindness in the world, even to those who might not deserve it according to our standard, but do according to God's? As a community of faith, what does this mean for us? I love the image of the mustard seed, which grows to be a wonderful, beautiful tree, but a tree that doesn't exist for itself, but a tree that gives life and shade and shelter. As a family of faith, what might it mean for us to be a tree that provides life and shade and shelter to those who seek it? Let's pray. God, thank you for all that you give, whether we know it or passes under our observation. I pray today that any words that I've spoken that aren't of you, that they would not take root in our hearts and minds. But if I have said something of you, that it would be like a seed planted in our hearts and minds that would grow according to your will and your purpose. Bless these peoples that they might bless others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, uh, as